Year's 2007. It's middle school for some people, not everybody, but at least for, at least for you and me, it was prime middle yep. school years. Um, man, I knew it was going to be a good day walking into math class when I had the cargo shorts with like eight pockets. <laughs> I had, I the zippers with the strings hanging the, off. <laughs> the zippers with the strings hanging off, man. Like uh, I played basketball. And so I was a freshman on varsity and I thought I was the coolest person in the entire world. And so like you would walk in, it's like you had, you you had the, du- the double elite Nike socks, the slides. <laughs> but th- this is the thing. It's like middle schoolers dress cool now. Yeah. They yeah. do. And it makes me so frustrated because yeah. I, I don't think that existed when we were in middle school. I'm not going to well, lie to you. Here's the thing, right? Minecraft hoodies when I was in middle school were Stop. lame. They they're were lame. S- they're still lame. No, they're pretty cool nowadays. You you walk into class with that Fortnite hoodie, you're the coolest kid in class. Back when <laughs> I was in middle school, I'd get like I, I'd get my face pushed into a toilet. Okay. Wait, wait, they wait, weren't wait, cool wait, back wait, then. Wait, 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 wait. Did that really happen? No, no, did, bro. I Victor, was the coolest Victor, kid in middle school. Victor, did you get bullied? Um, who was no, she? No, well, I may have gotten bullied, but not for that. <laughs> we've, we've all gotten bullied at some point. I it's okay. I never wore cargo shorts. I always wore like the shorts I wore in middle school are the same shorts that you see me show up to like work today. <laughs> I've just stretched them out over the years that they still fit, and uh, so. Like they were down to my shins when I was in middle school, so I was I thought I looked good if my Nike Elite socks and the end of my shorts met, so that you couldn't see any any of like my shin. Right? That's true. That was the mark of if I looked good that day. And there's, there's this saying, and it's 100% true that guys only get one pair of shorts in their lifetime. Yep. Um, and I can attest to that because I'm wearing shorts right now that I had in middle school. Yes. <laughs> It's, it's and they're one, the best shorts ever. They're so comfortable, dude. I, yeah. I don't want to wear shorts that I bought from like Dick Sporting Goods a week ago. I'm like, I want the ones that are 11 years old that are just like beat up, completely yep. worn down. That's all you need. Like the, when you wash them, the string gets pushed into the thing, so you have to pull the string out every time. I, I get it, bro. Bro, I get you're it. you're assuming it still has a string. This has, this has been <laughs> this has been stringless for six years. <laughs> Dang. Well. I, I see. Here's On the thing, note. though. I, I think you would have looked cool in middle school. That's a lie. I I didn't. Hold up. Okay. Can I can I tell my worst middle school story? Please. So I watched I watched Eight Mile in middle school, <laughs> and it was like the most like. So, what, that's not the funny part. That's not, that's not like hey, here's my I middle just, school story. I Christian watched Eight family Mile. hanging out with your de- pastor dad yeah, watching Eight Mile. I watched Eight Mile. And, like, I wanted to be Eminem growing up in the streets of D.C. And I was like, all right, like, the way I'm going to become Eminem is I'm going to shave my head. So I got a buzz cut one time in my entire life. And, like, I have this mole on the back of my head. Um, Like, you can't see because of my hair. But, like, when it got shaved, I immediately (laughs) was like, I look like a giant Q-tip. And so it was, I knew it was a mistake and I walked into to class the next day and I had like the slim shady beanie on, I had a hoodie up, it was freaking May and the teacher made me take uh-huh. the hat off. And so I pulled the hoodie down, pulled the beanie off and this girl next to me, I'll never forget this. She goes, oh my gosh, what's that on his head? And she points to the mole on the back of my head and I was like, all right, okay. Okay, cool. Hold on. I'm going home. Yeah. First of all, 
first of all, let's talk about the Abercrombie and Fitch top you're wearing. Okay. Let's let's okay. talk about this. Okay. Um, <laughs> but no, I've never forgotten that, and that was hands down like the most embarrassing middle school moment of my entire life. That is honestly not that bad. Gonna be honest. Really? Well, Maybe okay, I had gonna... a terrible middle school, but you just it's in- not that bad. invalidated all of my pain. Um. <laughs> Yeah, because well, here's the thing. So when I was in middle school, I was on the I was on the uh, yearbook team. Okay, so I helped edit and make the yearbook. Okay, that's cute. And, and that you know how cool I was. All right, yeah, when I worked were. on the yearbook, Miss Oliver was my teacher. And I remember, so we had like this we had like this website that we would go to, and we would you know that's how, where you would edit the yearbook. You would drag the pictures in. And we used this website, and the website was cool because you could chat with the other people on the yearbook team, right? Well, there was this girl that had asked me out. Oh. <laughs> and I had messaged her on that website, and I was like, I think, we're ju- I think we should just be friends, right? And I thought I was just messaging her. <laughs> Come to find out. <laughs> <laughs> I published it in the yearbook. <laughs> In the in the yearbook chat, on one of the pages. Oh my god! Oh my gosh! Are you kidding me? They charge fifty dollars for that yearbook, bro. What is the matter with you? It was an accident. It was an accident. Okay. I don't want to do this show with you anymore, man. Um, that's like but, but Thanos here's the thing. level bullying. But here's Good the thing. Lord. No one knew because it was just like, it was just that. So no one knew like who it was. And when the teacher asked me like, why'd you put that in there? I was like, oh, I just like, you know, like a friend's, you know, kind of like page where we just talk about like the importance of friendship and like, so I played it off pretty well. Okay. For a middle schooler, for a middle schooler. So you, you broke her heart and this conversation is breaking <laughs> my heart. <laughs> I can't talk to you anymore. <laughs> and honestly, man, this is probably the first time in the history of this. I don't have a transition um, from that to I what we're going to talk about today. So I, I really, it. I don't have a way of making that work. I don't have a way of, of creating a silver lining out of that. Well, so I'm literally going to trans- <laughs> I do. Oh, really? Please today go we're going to be talking about life. Amen. Today we're going to be talking wow. about stories. We're going to wow. be sharing life experiences, and hopefully. As, as you know, you laugh alongside our humiliating stories, you can be encouraged by the way yeah. God has used us and our friends in life. That was a pretty good transition. That was an amazing transition. Yeah, you're welcome. So yeah. today we're joined by our good friend and co-worker, Abby Johnson. Woo! Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're super pumped. And we're literally just going to be talking about life today. And so... Amazing. And we're trying a different show format, which I'm excited for. Yeah. But yeah, Abby, literally, we just want to hear, honestly, just a little bit about your story um, and what the Lord has been doing in your life and how you came to know him. And and what was your middle school fashion choice? Just hit all all the bases (laughs) while you go ahead and do that. Yeah, I had a terrible hair story in middle school, too. So feel you on that. Also, Vic. I gotta say, the girl's heart is probably still broken. You probably messed her up. I'm for a good. I'm sure so she there. remembers that. I, um, I know she remembers it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I hope so she listens to I will this say, I in like eighth, seventh grade, I think I had a boy ask a friend, one of my friends, out for me, like ask my friend to ask me out for him. And that was on Friday afternoon. We came back Monday, 
afternoon, I had my friends break up with him for me. Like, this is what happens in the weekend. In decided that it so does. it just happens. It's normal. It happens. Um, but yeah, also decided to cut my hair like really short, like shorter than Victor's. Like, like I was going for pixie cut vibes, <laughs> but it didn't work out. So it happens. That's definitely my worst middle school fashion that because hair doesn't grow super fast lasted with me all of middle school it, it doesn't so it doesn't it's, great. it's okay it happens to the yeah, best of us it's okay <laughs> it does it does if you don't go through a terrible hair phase what are you exactly. doing exactly exactly i'm always in the middle v- victor's in the middle of one right now <laughs> it's okay <laughs> i bullied myself oh. before you could <laughs> that's my defense mechanism <laughs> so abby Uh, jesus please uh, sorry jesus yeah uh also met him in middle school so praise god for that um but yeah i didn't grow up in a christian family though i was thinking about this earlier today with one of my friends do y'all know that prayer uh god is good god is great let us thank him for that one at some point in my life my family started saying that before dinner and i was like i don't know why we were doing this because my parents aren't believers, huh. but we grew up in a very like culturally Christian town. That was just like the thing. Like Christmas and Easter, the churches were packed with people. Um, and so like my family would go in there, but we didn't know Jesus. Um, parents got divorced in fourth grade. And I went from a happy child who loved spending time with my family, loved being home, to one that very quickly was filled with anger, bitterness and uh hated being home so looked for every opportunity not to be um which thankfully included my friend abby's house and um i was a friend that our parents were like y'all are both shy and not going to talk to each other but you have the same name so you get to be friends um (laughs) there we go worked out that family shared the gospel with me invited me into their home loved me really really well for like three years took me to church with them almost every Sunday for three years before um, the gospel kind of clicked. And I was like, man, there's hope outside of like family. Mm. There's hope outside of my circumstances. There's hope that is steadfast um, in Jesus. And so decided to follow him and got baptized, came back. Um, oh, I got saved at a summer camp, got baptized. A year. <laughs> yeah, of course. It happens to a lot, <laughs> a lot of us, you know. Yeah. Um, got baptized when I came back and a year later that family, uh, moved out of state. Um, so I was again, pretty isolated. Um, didn't really have a ton of Christian community. Um, my parents still are not believers. Um, so like they weren't taking me to church. They were like, I don't know why you want to go. Um, so that was like eighth grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, um, started struggling pretty severely with anxiety, depression, probably some of the worst years for that in my life. And, um, man, the Lord was just really faithful to keep me, um, from a lot of things that I think it's really easy to get into in those early high school years and kept growing this desire for Christian community and to learn how to read the Bible. Um, cause I would read, but just like flip to like, I was the kid that was like flipping to a random page whenever I felt like <laughs> reading the Bible. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know how to do this. Yeah. And so turned 16 and my mom was like, yeah, what are you excited to go drive to? And I was like, Oh, church. And my mom was like, Oh, I thought that was just a phase. <laughs> um, so started to, yeah. Yeah. 
fun conversations. Um, but started driving myself back to church, got plugged in, learned um, how to read the Bible, and um, really just started like learning what it looked like to be a Christian and something that like wasn't like this list of like, oh, I say I'm a Christian, so I'm going to do these things and not do these things. Yeah. But like what it looked like to be a Christian and like walking with Jesus and like loving him. Um, so yeah, that's what the Lord's been doing the past like six five years of my life I had to think about how old I <laughs> you know <laughs> it's tough <laughs> that's but that's wild to me though that it's like 16 years old the first thing you want to do is go to church yeah and like I, I, not normal not normal like honest like that that uh -oh. I was raised in a pastor's home that was not my first reaction like so yeah. to see even like at 16 years old like there's a desire for you to go back to like what what was it about church was it the free pizza was it like the guys was <laughs> it you know the like what what was it that was like man i need to go back to that place yeah honestly one of the most beautiful things that like the lord keeps to this day showing me more beautiful thing, beautiful things about it is how much the church is designed to be family yeah like my home has felt very broken for a while, like for going on like 11, 10, 11 years now. And the church continually shows me what family looks like, not just like for the nuclear families in the church, but like for me as a younger single girl who comes to church by herself. Yeah. Like these people that I get to worship alongside of every single Sunday are like my family. Um, and that is a really, really beautiful thing to get to be a part of. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to steal this question from Vic, so I apologize. But I want to. How dare you? I'm sorry. But you said something really interesting there. You said, like, this church is my family. And I think, like, I, I can relate to that. I get that. Like, you're walking in, it's like, man, like, it's just me. Um, and I think there's also a lot of people that are listening, whether it's young adults, high school kids that they can relate to broken homes as well. Um, what would you say to somebody that like desires the church to be that for them? And like, what does that practically look like? Like, does that mean that I have to be in the, in somebody else's home in their family photos? Like what, what, what does that mean for like a church to actually be, be family? Yeah, that's a great question that I think I honestly get asked a lot um, by a lot of college students that are desiring this. Um, it takes work. It's like, I think there's a lot of families in the church. Um, there's a lot of people, not just like couples with children, but like a lot of people in the church who desire to have people in their lives. Like I think we as people are just really hungry for community and that's like a good God given desire. Yeah. Um, we just have to go for it. Like, I think if you're somebody who is, coming to church and you're like man I really want these people to be my family like start by inviting somebody over to your home or like asking someone to go on a walk I think it's like man if you show somebody that you're like putting in the effort and like willing to spend time with them like go for it there's one woman we she's way older than me we meet up for lunch once a month and hang out and that's some of the sweetest time she feels like my mom hmm. like but it just started with like, hey, I want to hang out with you. What is a good time to do that? What's a good way to do that? 
there's um, another family. I'll go over there, hang out in their craziness and messiness of life. And sometimes that looks like me helping fold kids laundry. But I think like if we're if we're really going to say that the church is family and really going to pursue living that way, then we have to be okay with family in the church being messy sometimes Mm. because we live in a broken fallen world. And so we're going to sin against one another, but ultimately like the, the fact that we're all have the spirit walking, like living inside us and are walking with Jesus is a deeper connection than like, like if I get into an argument with like you or Victor, like that's not going to destroy our relationship. You yeah. know, yeah. like we got to stick it out through the mess to really like be and be like a part, a committed part of a church family, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And man, I, I think this was kind of maybe brought to light over the pandemic, but unity isn't really unity until it's tested. And it's really easy yeah. to be unified when there's nothing kind of pushing against the grain. And for the church to be able to kind of push through hardships and, you know, messy situations and messy things, but still be united in one mission and goal and like show Mm -hmm. and experience love for one another. That is a testimony to the world that a lot of other places, religions don't have. Um, And that's one of the things that makes Christianity so unique. Um, So I kind of want to, talk about this is something that uh we talked a little bit about with reagan's dad last week but just like what did your calling into ministry look like you know we we talked a lot about your transition into you know church and wanting to drive to church and be in church and getting into you know wanting to become a family with the church but kind of taking another step into saying hey i'm gonna commit my life or at least the season of my life to work for and in the church. What did that transition look like? Yeah. Um, I didn't ever consider going into ministry growing up. (laughs) I didn't honestly didn't know what that meant or looks like till I felt like the Lord was leading me in that direction. Um, but I started serving in the church my junior year of high school. Um, and because of where I went to college just like kept serving in the same place from the time I was a junior in high school Mm. also uh graduated college in three years so my second year of college so my four years after I started serving I guess my parents were like hey like let's let's nail down like what kind of jobs you're looking for after like let's talk about this and I went into college really wanting to teach high school Spanish or um, do some sort of family counseling. Okay. And yeah, super, super fun jobs. Um, <laughs> they don't make a ton of money. And so that's my why dad you chose was ministry, like, you know, yeah, that's why, that's why you chose ministry. ministry. Yeah. Literally the conversation I had with my dad was, Hey, Abby, you should think about something that makes a little bit more money. So I said, okay, I love genetics. I'll do genetic counseling because it's still the counseling. Honestly, a space where I think being a Christian would be super challenging but super cool um but i for weeks after i had landed on that like i i added a bio minor with a focus in genetics like was like pursuing this and for weeks 
just like really wrestled with man I don't know if y'all have ever felt like a super clear feeling where like I am walking in blatant disobedient to the disobedience to the yeah. Lord but like for weeks wrestled with that and I was like I don't even know where this is coming from yeah. um and just spent a lot of time seeking the Lord and eventually um talked to the guy who was my student director at the time and I was like hey uh, I don't know what this means, but I think the Lord's leading me into ministry. And he just looked at me and was like, duh, like, that's why I've had you serving in <laughs> yeah. such a large capacity. Yeah. Um, and yeah, kind of just like took steps from there um, to continue like asking the Lord what that looked like for me, what that meant. I didn't even, I didn't know what like, honestly didn't know what jobs within the church world I could have yeah um but just kept taking faithful steps of obedience the lord eventually made it clear for at least right now in the foreseeable future that i can tell that i was going to be working in ministry whether it was with the church um or some other ministry but specifically with middle and high schoolers and yeah just kept pursuing opportunities for that yeah i I love that you even said that your student director affirmed. He's like, well, yeah, of course. Yeah. Like, and like, yeah. he, he'd known you for a long time. Like he'd seen the work that you've done. And like, when you came to him, like it wasn't something new. And I feel like even just like with the students that I have, but even just like here in conversations that I'm having, like on seminary campuses and young adults, there are people that are called into ministry. And honestly, their friends are telling like, yes, it's, it's clear. Like obviously someone's saying it's going to be affirmed by community. Yeah. Um, and so what, what was it just the affirmation of community that's like, hey, someone else said and saw this in me and like that's what kind of called me into that? Um, or was it something else? Like what would you say to like maybe a young girl who's listening to this trying to wrestle through a call to ministry? Like what, what would you say to them um, to kind of get to next steps? Yeah, I mean, I think affirmation from community is huge. Like in any big decision, I think community can see your blind spots way better than you can. Um so yeah, affirmation, definitely huge. I think also just like seeking Jesus, I think I think there are practicals that we have to think through, right? But like if we're sitting at Jesus' feet and looking to him, like we just get to trust that sometimes he puts decisions in front of us that are good and glorifying to him and we get to choose to say yes. And so, I mean, I think if you're like considering a call to ministry, like having people that see you and see you in capacities that you're interested in doing ministry roles. Um, but also like, are you sitting and being with Jesus? Like, is that who your love is or is your love the role um, yeah. rather than uh, Jesus? Yeah. Well, and, yeah. and this is, I mean, <laughs> this is full circle, right? We're talking about how yeah. getting into the church and wanting to be a, a part of the church means that you have to, you know, be willing to be a part of this family. And that means that you're going to have to put yourself in uncomfortable situations. That means that other people are going to have to put themselves in uncomfortable situations. And it means that you're going to have to be willing to be vulnerable. But that affirmation stems from like deep, genuine community that's found in the church. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I had a pastor a long time ago. I was probably in ninth or 10th grade and I was wrestling with this daunting question is what is God's calling over my life? And he sat me down and he was like, Victor, just love Jesus and do whatever you want. Yeah. And I was like, 
that is the frustratingly easiest answer that I've ever heard because yeah. it tells me yeah. nothing, but it tells me everything at the same time. And like yeah. what I think I see in your story is you trusting Jesus, loving him, going down a path that you think may be good. And the Lord just being like out of your love and affection for him, steering you the direction that he's ultimately prepared for yeah. you long before. Um, it's just a pretty cool picture. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so. and I think to even add a question on top of that. So like you've even, you've been in ministry for a little while now, like none of us have been in ministry for like five, 10, 15 years, but it's like, it's longer than a week. And so you've been in it more yeah. than seven days. Um, and I think like eight I was days, eight days, <laughs> eight days, you know, Vic's only 10 days. It's fine. Um, but we're just figuring, we're just it, figuring out. it out. We're just figuring it out. It's fine. But I was so like slight comparison to Paul here, but like you see Paul do a lot of like ministry throughout the new Testament, a lot of different churches, yeah. a lot of different places. Like I was reading in Romans 16 this morning and like the last paragraph there, he's just like listing off people to say hi to. And he said like, Oh yeah, say hi to your mama. She's a mom to me as well. And like, you see that family dynamic in the people that he's listing off. That's also the place that he's doing ministry as well. And I don't know if you guys feel this, but like, it feels very hard to like work in the place that's supposed to be your family and like having those two things go head to head. I feel like I'm either sacrificing one or the other. And so like, have, have you wrestled with that? Have you felt that? Um, like what, how, how has that looked? Cause also like you've grown up in the church that you've been at. So like how, how do those two things kind of go hand in hand? Yeah, that is a great question, I think. Um, I think, honestly, I just have the best families. Like, they are just really quick to invite me into things, like going to kids' soccer games and, like, coming over for spaghetti night. And, um, And I think there is, like, some aspect of, like, oh, it feels like work sometimes or like when I'm like trying to plan my week and I'm like oh I'm going to dinner at this family's house like is that work hours or is that <laughs> yeah. like do, do I clock those that, hours like, yeah time with yeah. Them? yeah like it's not towards my 40 hours um but I don't know I mean I just love these kids and families yeah. like I think I've seen when I am like weak and needy they're just like if I'm like open and vulnerable, um, they're just like really quick to come in yeah. and love me and not expect me to be any more than a sinner. <laughs> like they're well, a sinner who is following Jesus. Yeah, yeah. But they are like, I don't expect you to be perfect. I don't expect you to be on like my family. Honest, like this week has been pretty tough for my family mm. personally and. Um, Man, yesterday I just like shared with a mom like what was going on and she prayed for me then and texted me later that night and was like, I'm praying for you. And I think things like that, I'm like, man, these are like, I'm not just like here for these people, like I'm here with these people. And like there's a mom who I'm in small group with and I think figuring out that dynamic was weird of like, hmm, I, I like, I'm caring for your kids yeah. and your family and like walking alongside of your daughters 
but like I think I've just honestly it goes back to community because I think I'm like honestly if I'm gonna be in this role that I'm in and can't like be real with these people then like what am I doing I don't know if that makes any sense at all and I feel like I just rambled yeah yeah no that makes perfect sense and I think I, I I mean for me I've realized that a lot of my work church member relationship is self-imposed like for example i'm in a small group like an adult small group we do community they're like my family in church and a lot of the people in the small group have kids that are in my ministry and at first i was like this is just like i'm just like i'm i was walking into it with the expectation that this was going to be like work or i was going to be the staff person that like people looked to for x or whatever it was kind of like a I think my my heart was definitely like self-righteous and prideful in that. And when I got there and I just sat down with the families, I had one of the dads come up to me and was just like, hey, Victor, like, I just want you to know you can take your work hat off. Like, we care and we want you here. And we just like, we value you and like what you can add to our community as a church member. And Mm -hmm. it was it was it was him saying that to me. Mm. that helped me realize that I was walking in with certain expectations that no one else had of me. That's good, man. And it, yeah. and it That's good. kept me from like bringing down my walls. But then once like mm. the dad came to me and he, he, I mean, he really just like broke the structure and that was yeah. the thing that helped me step into our small group, like with the ability to be vulnerable. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I, I think I can honestly see like at the, a parallel between the three of our stories where it's like, Abby, you've grown up in this church. Like Vic, you've had longevity at that place. And like, I'm now growing into longevity. And I once had a pastor tell me, you cannot pastor people you don't love and you can't love people you don't know. And so like, it starts with simply getting to know people. And the longer you get to know them, you love them. That doesn't mean you always like them, but you always love them. And when you begin to love them, now you are their pastor. Now you like you care for them. And now you take them to soccer games and, and things like that. And I think that right there, it's like sometimes you work for your family and church is family. And I think a lot of the times for, 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 for ministers and people in ministry, it can simply feel like a job. It can just feel like something yeah. like it's not something you just cash in a paycheck. It's it's not something that is a nine to five. It's something that you are legitimately called. That's the job to love the people um, and to like yeah. rattle people off by name in your head and be in prayer and be in their life. Um, and so, yeah, it's honestly it's really encouraging to hear not yeah. just your story of like what God is doing in your life, but also what God is doing in your ministry. Um, and we're super grateful for you as a friend, as a co-laborer in ministry. And, um, it's really cool to see everything that God's doing in your life. Yeah. Thanks. And with the three of us all together, we crack five years in ministry experience combined. Look at that. We can change the name of the podcast to Sanctified. We've done it. Done with this process. We made it. Done it. it. Mastered it. Hey, look, Ma. I made it. So Abby, thanks wow. so much for yeah for taking thirty one <laughs> yeah. minutes and thirty six seconds of your day. Why do you always announce the yeah. time at the end of every? It's always the exact precise time. 
It's, I, well, now he has to change now it. Now he has to change it. But I'm like, he I've been always... meaning to say something. And I've, it's been buried deep down. This is the problem with me. I, I don't say things. Yep. And then it just comes out in anger like seven months later. Um, the Lord you should probably me... say things before it does. I should that. probably say things. The Lord things. gave me a word. The, this Lord, is... the, the Lord gave me a word. <laughs> and the word and I helped sanctify oh. you. The word was stop. <laughs> the, the word was quiet down now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well. Yeah, but thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah. yeah. Seriously, thank you. Yeah, we'll have to do it again. Guys, um, if you have questions, if you have comments, if you have concerns, check us out on our email, sanctifiedish at gmail.com. You can submit all your stuff there. Um, we've got a couple emails over the past couple weeks, and we're, we like them. So it gives us content for Sanctified Shorts, that's which true. I came up with that name, by the way. Um, Good job. Really, that's Reagan's you. thing. Thank you. Yeah. Um, you should get a sticker. I have made one. <laughs> Sanctified Shorts merch coming soon. I don't doubt um, it. <laughs> I don't doubt it. But shoot us your questions. Um, Sanctifiedish at gmail.com. You can also find us on social media at ReaganJones97 and at Rotsiv157. Um, yeah. We'll see you guys in the next one. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, take care and God bless. I 33 said- minutes and 19 seconds. Bob the Tomato does it again. Thank you, guys.